At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Hey there, and welcome to episode 337 of Find Your Food Voice. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, your host and registered dietitian. And I am looking forward to this conversation that I get to have with Colleen Brebner. I'm gonna be jumping on the phone with her in just a second, but just to prepare you for this episode, in July, while we are on hiatus from the podcast, We, my Find Your Food Voice team, we were lighting up our text thread as we heard the news alongside of you about Lisa Marie Presley dying. And as we learned a few days after her death is her cause of death was because of complications from her weight loss surgery. So I want to give a content warning, of course, with this topic and talking about weight loss surgery. Of course, there's going to be some topics about um, anti-fat bias, about eating disorders and things that are just involved with that. So take care of yourself and decide what's best for you if you're going to listen to this episode or not. But what Colleen and I are wanting to unpack is just the things that we don't hear a lot about when it comes to the risks that come from weight loss surgery. So I am really glad that Colleen picked this topic. I think it's one that we don't hear enough about. I think we only hear about the positives and whenever negative things happen, they're minimized as very, very rare, which in reality they're not. And also that they're worth the risk, which again, are not worth the risk. So I will be getting to um, 
Colleen's Diet Culture IRL in just a minute, but I wanted to first give you an update on the Find Your Food Voice book. So the Find Your Food Voice book is coming along. And uh, let's see, I started writing it about almost a month ago from today was when I started. And I'm officially 11,197 words in plus another 1600s because I haven't done the edition yet for this week. So I'm over the 12,000 word mark. Super excited. I'm basically working on chapter two and three at the same time. I'm kind of going back and forth. And it's the first time I'm starting to experience some more, I don't know, I think like self-doubt as I'm writing. And luckily so far, as I experience the self-doubt, it seems to be when I'm not at the computer typing away. But once I do sit down to type, I the words just come. And part of why that happens is I have been doing my writing, I think like 95% of the time, if not 100%, I have been doing the writing live on TikTok and then also in the Find Your Food Voice book community. And if those of uh, you who are in the book community, I think you are the reason why I'm able to like squash that self-doubt and just write. Um, What we're doing is for 45 minutes, we're hanging out together, kind of co-working and we're muted. And then for a 15 minute break, we just chat and connecting with you has been so wonderful. And again, I think it's helping me as I am writing. So if you would like to join me, I would love that. Again, you can do that for free on TikTok. And if you want to be part of the conversation during the break, um, and also support me, it's just $5 a month. It's kind of like buy me a cup of coffee. <laughs> and um, you can get to all the details at julieduffydillon.com slash book. All right. And of all of that, we're going to get to Colleen's Diet Culture IRL, but we're going to have a very quick break and we'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the beginning moments of fall, where the leaves are changing, the weather's getting cooler, and we head right back into a new season of Diet Culture IRL. 
Please take care of yourself and step away when you need to while listening to this episode. We know some of the topics we discuss here can bring up a lot for you, and we want you to take care of yourself exactly how you need to. Back in July this year, I know, it was a while ago, Lisa Marie Presley, the only child of Elvis Presley, passed away due to a bowel obstruction. However, in a record moment in news media outlets actually reported why this happened, and the result may shock you. It was due to weight loss surgery she underwent several years prior. Weight loss surgery can sometimes create adhesions, scar tissue, that form after surgery causing small bowel obstruction. Her medical examiner's report noted, this is a known long-term complication of this type of surgery. I wanted to discuss this in Diet Culture IRL because so many are affected by the pressure to lose weight, so much so that people are convinced to get life-altering surgeries to shrink themselves that in turn can cause irreversible harm. Just days after reading this article on Lisa Marie, I was driving to work and saw a billboard on my morning commute for bariatric surgery explaining anyone could go in for a consult and get an estimate to quote, change their life today. It truly breaks my heart to think people see that billboard every day and consider weight loss surgery as a path they need to take to fit into our society. So while Julie and I discuss this in just a moment, we also want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Reach out to us at info at juliedillonrd.com and let us know. All right, Colleen, where do we get started? (laughs) Where to begin with all of this? Uh. There's a lot to unpack. And of course, this happened when we were on our little podcast sabbatical. But I remember us like talking about it a little bit in our dream team like thread, Mm -hmm. um, just being like WTF. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. What do you remember, if anything, like thinking when you saw the headlines? Well, I just felt really sad. Like, firstly, Mm -hmm. like I think any like death of someone in the news is like, it's just always sad. And, you know, when Mm -hmm. you are someone that's experienced grief in the past, like it brings up a lot of those feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. But then to like, you know, go beyond the headline and start reading Uh, like some of the reasoning or like, you know, what the medical examiner said, I was like shocked Um, because this was new information for me. I did not know Mm -hmm. that um, like weight loss surgery could have this effect. So then I started going Mm. down this other rabbit hole of like just what some of the effects from weight loss surgery can be long-term for someone. And I was like horrified. Yeah. So that is so interesting that you didn't, you didn't have an awareness as someone who's not like a healthcare provider. Um, you didn't know that this was a possibility. And I forget because, you know, as a dietitian, one of the things that we get to do is we really get to like, get into the nitty gritty of people's like day-to-day experiences moment to moment, just because we're talking about food and people eat many times over the day. Yeah. And you know, I would get to know people over the years. So I would hear about these things either from my clients themselves or from someone that they knew that they got to know from going through surgery together or something like that. So this was definitely on my radar, um, which that's sad that that's a a difference, you know, that like 
healthcare providers, we know what's happening, but the general public, those who can be affected by, um, you know, advertisements like you describe in your IRL, you know, like not even having that awareness that that's a possibility, you know, that's, that, that's awful. Yeah. I was really shocked about Lisa Marie Presley getting the surgery. I had no idea. And it's not like we're BFFs or anything. Right. But, (laughs) but I did, before we started recording, of course, I did a Google search just like, why did Lisa Marie Presley get the surgery? You know, beyond experiencing the diet culture and wanting to remain smaller and relevant um, in Hollywood. But I didn't know if, you know, Lisa Marie Presley ever made a statement like, oh, I have diabetes or something like that. And that's why I'm getting this. And what I found, of course, was this page six article, which is, you know, (laughs) it's a page six, but it basically was talking about their, um, her friends had no idea that she did this. Like no one knew, which is another layer. I think that's important for us to talk about too. Yeah. I was shocked to hear that because I feel like there's this like dichotomy or like this weird place that we're in as, and I say we like the collective, like fat community, um, as a Mm -hmm. fat person, like, where it's like, it's shameful for us to be in this body. And then if we do anything about, you know, we, whatever's recommended, say this was recommended Mm -hmm. hypothetically, um, then it's shameful to do that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's literally lose, lose. Like there is no game in which we get to the whatever proverbial finish line and everyone's like, yay, yay for you. Like, and Mm -hmm. I think that that's, uh, that's also super harmful. <laughs> yeah, the secrecy behind it. And I would imagine, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but the secrecy behind getting the procedure and then also not wanting to tell people around you if you are in pain or why you're in pain. You know, recovery from gastric uh, surgeries, which um, Marilyn Wan always, um, not always, but Marilyn Wan taught me um, that this surgery can also be called stomach amputation surgery. Mm -hmm. So I always like to mention that whenever we talk about this, because really that's what it is. It's like a person has this healthy organ that's fully functioning and there's actually a surgery to make it maladaptive or to malabsorb and um, to make it not work in the way that it's supposed to and increase all the risk. But anyway, the secrecy of it, had so much shame, of course, and like so much risk of more problems. Um, you know, just I just think that's fine. Or because you're afraid to like share with anyone that you might need additional care. Yes. Yeah. It's um my heart breaks for her and for her family to yeah. like to have this kind of shock and and then anybody else who's been in the same place too mm-hmm. that like um I wonder who's listening, who's like, yep, I had surgery and didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something Or might that, be considering it in the moment now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, there are certainly people that I've talked to who have gone to other countries mm-hmm. to get the surgery done just because it's more financially ac- accessible. Mm-hmm. And um, 
just that that's what ends up happening is people don't really know why people go away. And something that um, I've learned from folks that I talk to after they've had surgery is how hard the recovery is yeah. because it is this major bowel surgery. And and as I say this, there are many different types of these surgeries. And um, you know the type that um, Lisa Marie had, I actually wrote it down uh, because, um, did I write it down? I thought I did. Well, <laughs> I did not. Um, but the type that she did <laughs> have was, um, it was like the Ruin Y, but just a little different. And if, you know, if you're not someone who's aware of these different types of surgery, it's like, basically she had, uh, almost a gastric sleeve where most of the stomach is removed, but then it's attached in a different place and bypasses most of the intent, um, bypasses most of the intestines. And um, it basically makes your body again malabsorb like just about every, not just about everything. I mean, it malabsorbs like micronutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I say just about everything. Like when you malabsorb micronutrients, um, it is a very painful experience because um, a lot of these micronutrients are B vitamins. um, And it's something that'll be exhausting and painful. And that is something that I think most people don't talk about. But when I was looking through the reports on Lisa Marie's death, um, of course, most of the reports, and I'll put some links in the show notes, but just no huge content warning with these because almost all of them were like, yes, this is, this happens, but it's very rare. And it's not as um, much of an issue as the issues of being in a higher weight body. Of course, they use different language than mm-hmm. higher weight body. Um, like basically minimizing the risk and maximizing risk of being in a higher weight body yeah. and making it seem so absolute that if you continue to be in a higher weight body, you know, you're going to die basically. And so this it's worth the risk. And all the articles I was reading were talking about how most of the time people don't experience this kind of, uh, this being what, um, Lisa Marie Presley experienced with, um, she had lots of adhesions in her GI tract, which mm-hmm. when you have adhesions and it's like scar tissue that basically ends up being sticky mm-hmm. and it makes the walls kind of cave in and stick to each other. And so like, it's a blockage. Um, and they were like, oh, this is such a rare occurrence. Most of the time people just experience and just, I put in my own quotes, mm-hmm. just experience malnutrition, which to me was like totally, totally classic fat phobia right there. Just malnutrition, like to minimize not eating a lot and like, oh, it's worse that. Um, And, you know, honestly, the intention of the surgery is malnutrition. Yeah. um, But people don't talk about how that actually feels. Um, Yeah. Something I always want to make sure people know about is firsthand accounts of surgery, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to find that. I don't know if you've ever like asked around or talked to people or looked on the internet, like even like Reddit threads on like, what is it like post-surgery? But you can't find that many. And a lot of surgery centers or places that like have information sessions on like, this is what gastric bypass surgery is like. And this is what post-surgery is like. They hand select the people to do these kind of conversations Mm -hmm. with their 
clients who have the outcomes that they want. Mm -hmm. And so people assume that that's just the norm. Right. It's like a a limited sampling pool of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because this is, um, I know we've talked about this in other IRLs, but like any kind of weight loss intervention, it has a high attrition rate. Like there's lots of dropping out. Mm -hmm. And what's different about gastric bypass surgery is that there's, it takes longer for the the attrition rate to happen, but it eventually has the same effect. Um, so when people like go to their doctor for the first six months after surgery, which is six months is kind of the longest period that I'll, most of these centers require for people to go post-surgery, but six months after people have lost a significant amount of weight, they're super excited about it. But then if they do offer follow-up after that, people are not usually going back. And this is coming from just practice-based experience that I have. Mm-hmm. This is not this is not something that I have like my research that I've read on it, but just from what people have told me, they're just too ashamed to go back mm-hmm. as they're regaining the weight. And um, so yeah, the doctors just pick the people who fit their criteria. But there is a, a woman named Mariana Den Hollander who wrote the book, The Heaviest Surgery, My Journey with Gastric Sleeve and Gastric Bypass. That is excellent. Um, I believe like she self-published it. And I'm so grateful for her to do this because this book is, let me see, it's about 150 pages. And she goes through all of what it was like for her. Mm. And what she experienced was something similar to Lisa Marie Presley, which she experienced something called a gastric twist. And we don't know if actually Lisa Marie experienced this or not, because, but it's possible. But, you know, when when I told you about the adhesions, like they basically get sticky. And so there's a block in the the, um, stomach or in the intestine somewhere and not the stomach, it must've been the intestines. Um, and you know, something that the reports note is that Lisa Marie Presley was complaining of abdominal pain for a few months. Mm -hmm. And then especially the day of, she was in lots and lots of like abdominal pain. And this, um, author of this book had the same experience and just was like constantly in pain Mm -hmm. and doctors would do tests and they couldn't see anything. And it wasn't until they like, they stuck a scope down in there that they realized that this person was experiencing a gastric twist. And what they said it is like, is if you have a wet t-shirt and you twist it up and then you let it dry, that's like that. Yeah. Which you know, I don't know if you've ever had a dog, but like dogs with like, especially like big, um, barrel chest type dogs, which are the type of dogs I've always had. Mm-hmm. Um, they get, they call it bloat, which is mm-hmm. basically the same thing. So if a dog eats and then runs around, it can cause their stomach to like twist because there's just so much room in that like big chest area. Um, but that can happen post-surgery and part of, because of these adhesions and it can just start to twist. Yeah. And, um, that's what this author experienced and for years was experiencing this. Yeah. Um, and they're like, we don't even know how you stayed alive. Like it was just like how any kind of digestion was happening. Um, but the recovery was painful and then she had to end up, she had a gastric sleeve and she had to end up changing it to a gastric bypass because of the, the twist. She had to like mm. redo the whole surgery. So yeah, that in itself, I think people need to know about. Like yeah. there, if you have any abdominal pain after you've gone through surgery, um, that's what could be going on. And it's not just something that they can see with like simple tests, yeah. you know? Yeah. So 
So scary, um, right? So terrifying. And I I mean, yeah, it just makes me, I know uh, two folks in my life, um, one mm-hmm. of which is no longer with us who had the surgery um, and one of which who reached out to me as soon as they had the surgery and shared all of these photos with me unprompted, unsolicited. Mm. I did not like ask for any of this. Um, But I was like, you know, my response at the time, I think I had just started my body acceptance journey. So I was pretty like raw, I think, in it. And I think Mm -hmm. looking back at my response um, was it has going through this episode like to to write this episode and to talk about this brought brought that back and and reading through my response I was like you know what for someone who had just started their body acceptance journey like way to go Colleen like you handled that with some grace which I felt like Mm -hmm. really proud of you know looking back at it but also I was very uninterested um I remember Mm. saying like hey like you know, I, I believe very heavily in, in body autonomy. Um, but I, Mm -hmm. this is not for me and I I don't appreciate these pictures like unsolicited. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that like, you know, if you are someone who this has happened to, too, like maybe you've heard of these stories, um, and you, you know, weren't ready for them or like any response that you give honestly is, is an okay response for you in the moment. Like give yourself the grace Mm -hmm. to, to do what you need to do to protect yourself because it was, it was pretty raw for me. And, um, also at a time when I wasn't fully like not where I'm at now. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, maybe your response would still be the same even now, you know? Um, cause yeah, that is a, that's a really like, kind and also like well-stated boundary like stop it yeah <laughs> like you get to do what you want with your body and I get to do what I want with mine so and like maybe stop just sending it don't like I don't know ask for consent like before you send something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. like you have no idea where anyone else is I I mean I mm-hmm. I try to like look at it from their point of view or whatever but like ugh, yikes mm-hmm. yeah one of the um things I notice on TikTok are, and I don't know if it, I'm just the product of the algorithm, but more people talking about stop assuming that people are losing weight for positive reasons. Like, mm-hmm. and by positive, you know, you and I are going to be like, hmm. but yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, a person could be experiencing weight loss um, because of an eating disorder or because they have cancer or because they're grieving. Um, yeah. You know, I guess we would, how I would reframe that is um, not by their choosing, you know, in a sense, or like into unintentional weight loss. Maybe that's the word I'm trying to, to find in this. But um, yeah, that's that's something that's so um, so much a part of the experience that people are sharing with me too. I don't know if you've heard this from folks too, Colleen, but like experiencing surgery and that really fast change in weight how that in itself, like that experience can be very jarring for folks. And um, about two to five years post-surgery is when um, a lot of my clients would talk about how their weight started to like climb back up to where it was before. And and then kind of how the world reacted as their weight kind of returned to where it was. You know, um, I, and I think this is something, if I remember correctly, that Mariana describes in her book is that, um, you know, she, she said like people were giving her the idea that she took the easy way out by getting surgery, which is something I hear a lot too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, oh, you're taking the easy way out. 
and then it didn't even work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it sounds like another like double shame that you, like yeah. you were talking about earlier, yep. you know, yeah, <sighs> so much, so much. Um, well, one of the other things you mentioned too, I think is good for us to talk about is the billboard, Ugh, you yeah. know, the billboard that you see. Um, and I, I, those are things that we see all the time mm-hmm. and, um, something that we know to be true is that Lisa Marie Presley's friends were, as per page six, were shocked that she had a surgery, um, that this is a surgery that's done on people who, um, you know, a lot of times people talk about it's, it's necessary for people who are dangerously in a higher weight. Um, and if I hope you can see like that, we don't agree with terms like that. Um, but also, um, it's also accessible for people who are in a body size that may not even be in a plus size section at a clothing store. Yeah. People are still getting it. I, um, I yeah. know someone who did, um, who was mm-hmm. not in a, one of those defined bodies that you just mentioned, um, mm-hmm. who wore overalls at, for their weigh in and put rocks in their overalls. And it was never like, I mean, this was what, probably the early 2000s when this happened. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, mm-hmm. a different, different time, but, I will never forget hearing that and being like, mm-hmm. why would you do that? Like, mm-hmm. and thinking, you know, as a younger, I was in high school when I heard this story, but thinking as a, as a younger adult, like, don't they, don't you have to be at a certain weight, like for it to be safe, you know, thinking in my mind, mm-hmm. just in a different way, but wondering now, like, what do people do to obtain this surgery? And is it even mm-hmm. that? challenging anymore like where someone mm-hmm. does that like i have no idea what the answers are to those questions but in in preparing for this episode with julie i also have considered calling that billboard and doing a little bit of investigative journalism on my own um to mm. see what mm-hmm. the conversation might look like for someone going in who is not interested in getting the surgery um so i don't know maybe a future episode <laughs> Are you saying that you would kind of pretend that yes. you're interested in the surgery? Yeah. Okay. okay. And here and here like what what they mm-hmm. would tell me to to maybe convince me or what what it would mm-hmm. look like um for someone going in who might be exploring that. Cuz I well, am def- in, I want to be clear, I am not interested in getting the surgery. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, we do believe in body autonomy on Find Your Food Voice, so you do what you want with your body yes. and um we don't want you to amputate part of your stomach. Um, something I know from around the same time that your friend was trying to get surgery, that's when I actually was a dietitian helping people prepare and after surgery for six months, it was my shortest employment that I ever had. And it also happened to be the employment when I like discovered, oh my gosh, there's this weight inclusive side and diets are so harmful. But, um, People were getting approved for surgery, um, you know, if they they were folks who didn't need to go to a special store to get their clothes, like that mm-hmm. was their body size. But if they had any other comor- comorbidity, meaning like diabetes mm-hmm. or high cholesterol, cardiovascular disease, there were surgeons who were willing to do that. And mm-hmm. that's part of this 
slimy side of surgery, um, especially gastric bypass surgery or any of those different types of, of um, stomach amputation surgery, is it has a really high profit margin. Mm-hmm. And there's a um, sort of this rigor that people need to go through in order to have surgery where they need to, they need to, to work with a dietitian for a certain period of time. Some people just need to do this for um, three months before surgery. Some insurance companies, if they they will approve and pay for the surgery if a person shows that they worked with a dietitian for six months to a year mm-hmm. trying to lose weight without surgery and it, that it failed. Um, and then people need to go to um, a psychologist to assess them to see if they have an eating disorder. But what I know from my own experience and God, I hope it has changed, but I have a really big feeling that it has not, is that we would we would say that this person is experiencing a disorder. They're not um, appropriate for surgery and they would still get surgery. Like it was, I never saw anybody get turned down for surgery. So hopefully there's people out there that have um, found a different way to do this to make sure it actually, <laughs> like yeah. there can be some ways to prevent further harm. But you know, the thing that um, Lisa Dubriel, she's a a therapist um, out of Massachusetts. She works at Mass General. And her big area of interest and study is people post-surgery and their um, new onset depression, um, suicidality, and Mm. substance abuse. Mm -hmm. In particular, like drugs and alcohol, when a person changes like the shape of their intestinal anatomy, it Mm. makes how the body processes these things so fast. And so it leads to like a quicker, more intense kind of um, experience from drugs and alcohol. And so the uh, percentage of folks, I don't know off the top of my head, but the percentage of folks who experience um, substance um, abuse and addiction after surgery is really high. And again, a new onset. Mm-hmm. And some people uh, used to explain it away as like, well, you know, they were emotionally eating before and addicted to food. And so they just passed the addiction on. But like, there's actually like this difference in how the body is um, absorbing mm-hmm. these um, things. And that um, I think it's a way to further belittle people in higher weight bodies to be like, well, you just don't have self-control, you oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. And to minimize it as like, no, this is actually a consequence of the surgery. So um, since you're listening to a podcast right now, listener, Google Lisa's name. I'll put her name in the show notes for you. Um, Listen to every podcast you can (laughs) about what she has to say. Mm. I know she's been on Food Psych a number of times Mm. and taken really deep dives. And I think, you know, as we're kind of running out of time, I know for me, my big takeaway from anyone who is listening and maybe has a little kind of like part in their brain that's like, I kind of want to do this surgery. Mm-hmm. I would say like, talk to as many people as possible that you know that you're not as affiliated with any kind of medical center um, that are not at like, uh, that not just the people you find if you go to like an information session, but go on Reddit threads, go in Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. There are no, I'm, you know, I'm not in Facebook anymore, but I know there's Facebook groups that have people post-surgery who can tell you their experiences. Read Mariana's book. Like, Make sure you 
do like a lot of work and your due diligence on like what people post-surgery years out, what yeah. their life is like and get a, like a real description on like, the first year or two, especially and like what, what living with that malnutrition is like, um, and then make the best decision for you. Yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts for people who may be in that space too, Colleen. I think also, yeah, maybe trying to find um, a therapist or someone that is aligned with your values as well mm-hmm. um, can mm-hmm. be really helpful to to work through. Um, That's you know, I, I know it's not always easy to find somebody that uh, is maybe anti-diet if you're in an anti-diet headspace or, um, but if you can find someone who might be neutral towards dieting mm-hmm. or something like that to talk through some of the just honestly, like life trauma that you experience or we experience as fat people um, can help to just kind of unpack a little bit more some of the feelings Mm -hmm. about why you might be wanting to explore this path as well. Um, So that would be just maybe in addition to Julie's recommendation, something else to think Mm -hmm. about as you as you Mm -hmm. move forward with your decision making. Yeah, before we go, I think what you said, I just think that's so important. And I would just add to it, going to a therapist with your, with, that shares your identities, Yeah, how powerful that could be for you in this moment. And, um, you know, if you can't find someone with your own identities, um, oh my gosh, I want to help you find that person, <laughs> um, email and I will help you find that person. Um, but also, um, people who are, I don't know, in charge of therapy programs. This is why we need people of every different type of identity in therapy programs. So make it more accessible. But that's another diet culture IRL. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Colleen, so much for writing this topic down as an option and exploring it with me. I so appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me. Great to be back in our diet culture IRLs. Excited for For the ones to come. I am too. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Colleen Brebner for this month's Diet Culture IRL. And just like we mentioned earlier, if you have any topics you would like to hear us discuss in this segment, we welcome your ideas. Send us an email over at info at juliedillonrd.com. All right. So this episode of Find Your Food Voice was brought to you by the Find Your Food Voice book that is coming in January of 2025. If you would like to follow along as I'm writing this book and actually be there as I'm writing and we can chat, you can do that. All the details are at julieduffydillon.com slash book. All right. So I look forward to catching up with you next week. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. 
Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park